0: You can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, will be looking at verses 36 through 50 this morning, or this afternoon. And it was during our summer study in 2017 that we considered the importance of eating in the ministry of Jesus. We used Tim Chester's book, A Meal with Jesus, to spend several weeks talking about the role of meals in the life of ministry of Jesus. And one of the quotes that's, that stuck was from Robert Karras. He said, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. And we see that here in this passage. In fact, it was so prominent that what we looked at last week uh, it had become a proverb of condemnation from that generation, right? From verse 34, the son of man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Well, that almost sums up what we're looking at in this passage that follows. They would would accuse him of these things and of gathering around him sinners, tax collectors and sinners. There's a total of three occurrences of this phrase, of Jesus came or the son of man came. And in Matthew 20, 28 and Mark 10, 45, it says Jesus came, or sorry, the Son of Man came to serve. In Luke 19, 10, it says the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And then here in Luke 7, 34, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And so Tim Chester in his book says that there's really the the first two describe why Jesus came, to serve and to save the lost. And the third, you could say, explains how he did it. The, the way in which he went about serving and, and saving. He, his evangelism and his discipleship often occur around a meal. They involve showing and receiving hospitality. And so meals are an essential part of fulfilling his mission. And in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32, we saw Jesus being invited to Levi's house, a tax collector. Since he was a tax collector, he would have had a lot of tax collector friends, people who were despised um, at that party. And he was enjoying, or that he enjoyed hospitality from a tax collector was one thing, but what if Jesus were to give and receive hospitality from a prostitute. It's almost unthinkable if it weren't in this passage. it's It's a shocking passage, even today, to read it. God's grace welcomes the outcasts and brings transformation. That's what we see here. So before we read it, let's ask the Lord for his help in understanding it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that once again we can open your word and we can be reminded of Christ's compassion. He shows compassion to those who have been cast off by the world, by society, those who have been rejected by others, can come in the right spirit to Christ and, and look to him as their... Savior, knowing that he alone can redeem them. And Lord, such were all of us. So help us to relate to this situation, to this sinner's situation, and then help us to be filled with Christ-like compassion that would be willing to risk our own reputation as we show compassion to those who have been rejected by the culture. So Lord, do a work that only you can do and receive glory as you do so. In Christ's name we ask it, amen. Read with me Luke chapter seven, verses 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with who was a He went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner "'Who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him? "'For she's a sinner. "'And Jesus answering said to him, "'Simon, I have something to say to you.' "'And he answered, "'Say it, teacher. "'A certain moneylender had two debtors. "'One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. "'When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. "'Now which of them will love him more?' "'Simon answered, "'The one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Who even forgives sins. And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen. This is God's holy word. Well, we start off by considering how Jesus welcomes sinners. And you can imagine this scene. All right, going to a home of a respected church leader, who's invited a house. Who's, who has invited a guest speaker to his house. Right, so you're setting the scene in your mind here. You're going to a prominent religious leader's home who's invited a guest speaker to come. And that teaching, this teacher, has caused a bit of stir in the community. Everyone's interested in hearing him. And then a woman walks in who is clearly dressed inappropriately. She's far too much makeup on, and it's running down her cheeks from her tears. And all of the guests know what kind of woman this is. But shockingly, she goes right up to the speaker. It's, it's obvious that she knows him. And she expresses her love for him and kneels down at his feet, and she begins to make everyone extremely uncomfortable by washing his feet with a mixture of her tears and a flask of ointment. And the whole scene is quite disturbing, especially for the host. And so what are you thinking about her? Maybe you're thinking, is someone going to do something about this woman? Is someone going to escort her out? I'm sure she wasn't invited. Maybe you're thinking she needs to put some clothes on. Even more importantly, what are you thinking about this speaker? Maybe you're now beginning to question his integrity. Isn't he aware of what kind of woman this is? Why isn't he pushing her away. Look at him. He's not even embarrassed by her. Maybe you even go to the point of thinking that he could be one of her clients. Right. The scene here is of a a, Gre- a Greco-Roman symposium where there's a table with three sides, kind of a U-shaped uh, table and everyone is gathered around that table and reclining on their side propped up usually on their arms and and their plate of food is in front of them they're eating but and then their feet are behind them so it would have been easy for this woman to come into the to the room and go to Jesus's feet she would have had easy access to it uh, to him that way and in fact these homes were Generally, these kinds of um, gatherings were in a public room within the home where there was access to a courtyard so that people could come in and, and you know, passersby by could listen to, to conversations. Um, but obviously, this home it was most likely safeguarded from people like this person coming in. And this was not someone who would have been invited into Simon's home, and he is taken aback by her presence. Uh, Tim Chester says, to the Pharisees, she's like an infectious disease, and yet Jesus accepts her. He demonstrates God's grace by welcoming sinners. And so beyond accepting her, he actually receives her shockingly intimate gestures. Uh, She lets down her hair, which was something you did just before bed. It was a very private thing and inappropriate to do in public. Um, She is showing that she doesn't have inhibitions about this. And Joel King would say letting her hair down in this setting would have been on par with appearing topless in public at this time. That's how shocking it would have been. And so everything about this woman is wrong, he goes on. She doesn't belong here and the actions she performs are inappropriate in any, in any setting for someone like Jesus. And so this was a humiliating scene for this woman. And yet she completes the task of honoring Jesus despite the shame. And Jesus doesn't prevent her. That's even more remarkable. Right? He doesn't preserve his own reputation knowing full well what Simon is thinking right now because he responds to Simon. He knows what's going through their minds and he doesn't stop her. How many of you would have done the same thing? How many of us would have said, oh, not, not right now, not right now, maybe later. I appreciate that, but... We would not have wanted to let the scene continue. So he doesn't preserve his own reputation before before those who were eager to tarnish it. Instead, he receives her loving hospitality. She's showing him hospitality, and it's not even her home. So we've seen several stories in Luke of tax collectors and sinners receiving kindness from the Lord. It's the very thing that they needed to bring them to repentance, right? Do we get that, though? Do we have an understanding of grace? Are we willing to receive sinners who are the outcasts in our day and age? Are we willing to show them kindness? So if if this were to happen in our context today, how might we respond? Celebrate the grace of God, or are we scandalized by the whole scene? And I do recognize that parents have to be careful and responsible about those that they invite into their home, those they show hospitality to, but I do wonder if we go too far in trying to shield them and protect them. and In the process of shielding our children from sinners, we are liable of acting much like the Pharisees in this passage who were embarrassed and offended by Jesus' gracious reception of sinners. And so we do have to be careful to balance this. And Pharisees saw Jesus as a rebellious son of Israel and the irony is that he will die a death of a rebellious Israelite, a rebellious son. He dies as one cursed by God, not stoned, but hung on a cross. And so Jesus identified with sinners in, in his life and he bore their guilt and shame in his death. And so that's how far Jesus goes to welcome sinners. But what's also remarkable here is that Jesus was the kind of person whose sinners welcomed. Right? Sinners welcome Jesus. They're in Simon's house, and yet Simon isn't a very good host here. Today, a host would welcome their guest with a handshake, maybe taking their coat and hanging it up for them, offering them something, something to drink. You've got your typical gestures of kindness as someone enters into your home. Back then, the host would have offered a kiss instead of a handshake. It's still common today, actually, in some cultures. Um, They would have made them comfortable by offering them water, in this case, though, to wash their feet. Not a drink of water, necessarily, but a, a basin of water, so that they could put their feet in, which had been walking along sandy roads and getting caked with dirt. And, and, and they would need to do this as they entered into homes to wash their feet. And so this was a common gesture to show hospitality to someone. And then they would also anoint their head with oil, give them something to, to I guess, to, to help soften their hair that's been crusted over with dust from the air. Again, Tim Chester points out, Simon is the host who's not really a host. Instead, the woman is the host who's not even a guest. And Jesus is saying to Simon, I'm in your house, but she's been my host. So Simon goes on to condemn Jesus in verse 39, but rather than defend himself, Jesus commends the woman. In fact, he forgives her and grants her peace in verses 48 through 50. And it's important to point out here, the woman is not forgiven because of her love for Jesus. It's not like, oh, you've been so loving to me, here's forgiveness for you as a result. Uh, forgiveness is not God's response to our love. R.C. Right? Spole. He puts it very simply and well. He says, it's not that she is forgiven because she loves, but rather she loves because she has been forgiven. Her love is a response to forgiveness. Love is the, the natural response. And we love much when we recognize how much we've been forgiven. That's what Jesus goes on to say. When we realize how much we've been forgiven, we can't help but be Loving. So Jesus knew Simon's thoughts. And he also knew the woman's heart. And I wonder for us how often we can relate to Simon and not her. How often are we thinking his thoughts about others? And how often are we like the woman who's filled with an unhindered gratitude for her Savior? Not only do Simon and this woman view Jesus differently, but they they clearly view themselves differently. One is filled with pride. The other is filled with humility. And so it's only as we are enthralled by the gospel, recognizing that our sinfulness has been exchanged for his righteousness, that we can respond to sinners with compassion the way Jesus responds that we can point others to Christ. Maybe it's a, a bit more revealing to ask this question of you. Do sinners welcome you? You might consider yourself to be a friend of sinners, but would sinners consider themselves to be a friend of yours? Again, hospitality involves welcoming and creating space and listening and, and paying attention and providing a place for conversation, for discipleship to take place. And so unresolved conflict can't be ignored when you gather around the meal table. You can't eat in silence without realizing that there's an issue to address. There's an elephant in the room. So hospitality is a sort of gauge for us for our understanding of grace Proverbs 15:17 said better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it better is a a vegan dinner as long as there's love i mean that's as long as there's love that's better than the fattened ox that has people who hate one another surrounding the table Sharing a meal together can bridge that gap between classes. It eliminates loneliness and alienation. It turns strangers into friends. It's where much of our ministry needs to be taking place. And so Jesus accomplished his discipleship and his evangelism around a meal. That would also seem to be the case of the early church. Remember, we it's been a while since we've talked about hospitality. Maybe that this was the last time back when we were talking about it in the summer of 2017 in, in a in an um, in-depth sense. But when we were preaching through Acts, it seemed to come up in the passage every other week. The early church, they met in homes involving a meal. And we obviously see it in the Gospels as well, as Jesus does the same. Uh, you see the qualifications for elders in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 involve showing Hospitality. Uh, if you're to enact discipline as a church, one of those acts of discipline is to cut someone off from hospitality. Right? It's, an, it's an act of discipline to be shut out from the fellowship of the church. And so the church has always grown and matured through, through shared meals. And just as an individual's isolation often reveals a sinful heart, right? When we're, when we're living in sin, the last thing we want to do is go to church. The last thing we want to do is go out with someone who's going to confront us and challenge us on our lifestyle. Right? The, just as an individual's isolation often reveals a sinful heart, so lack of hospitality often reveals an unhealthy community. Reflect upon that in your own home, consider your own opportunity to show hospitality to others and take advantage of that. Invite others into your home and let's pray that the Lord would grow and mature this community through an increased appreciation for showing hospitality, that we would be moved by the example of our Savior who showed it to those who were nothing like him, in many ways, but who are willing to risk their reputation in order to show him love. Heavenly Father, we thank you